and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Wade In podcast, coming to you bright and early on Monday morning, 7.30 this morning, for different reasons. It's bank holiday in Ireland, and of course, we're just off back of the Dublin Racing Festival. And as you would expect on this show, most of the discussion is going to be based around the results from the last couple of days at Leopardstown. No, no footsteps to the festival, because of course, we'll be looking ahead to the festival off the back of these results anyway. But before we go any further, it was such a good weekend of action on the race course, of course. But last night, Sunday night, the news came through that Keegan Kirkby, a work rider for Paul Nichols, uh, had died in a tragic point-to-point accident. Um, just horrific news when these moments happen. You just have such a reality check. And honestly, I was out for dinner when somebody saw it and read the statements from the IJF and, of course, Julie Harrington as well. And your just heart breaks for those who knew him. He sounded like a real gem of a person. He was up for various awards for the stable jockeys, uh, for the stable staff, at uh, the stable staff awards. He was clearly a well-respected member of the Paul Nichols team and he was only 25. So very much this morning, well, despite what we talk about on this show, our thoughts are going to be with Keegan Kirkby's family, those closest to him and those down in Paul Nichols. Days. You just can't imagine what they're going through. So we are very much thinking of them at this time. We should also mention that following uh, Hart Woods' win for Rachel Blackmore at Leopardstown, Rachel Blackmore's serial winners fund now stands at 160000 And of course, this is Betfair's initiative to raise money for the Irish Injured Jockeys and the Injured Jockeys Fund in England. And it's now up to 160000 building all the time. Every time Rachel Blackmore has a winner, £5,000 goes into the pot. £100,000 was donated in the initial instance. We're up to 160000 and we're very much hoping to be at 250000 £250,000 by Grand National Day on Saturday, the 13th of April, when the fund will draw to a close. So that is a small bit of good news. Um, boys, let's check in with you guys first. I'm, of course, joined by Brendan Duke, Tony Calvin and Kevin Blake. As I said at the top of the show, Brendan, off the back of the weekend that was the Racing Festival, how did you enjoy yourself at Leopardstown? Yes, I I, I I did enjoy it. I thought there were there, there were some good good races. The handicaps were very well contested. Uh, I did see Kevin's doomsday scenario coming to pass of Willie Mullins having all the winners, uh, all the runners in a Grade One race. And I, I say all the runners that could arguably be a double doomsday scenario if such a thing were possible because it was a match race as well. So not 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 without its flaws. And there there seems to have been a few issues around access to the track, particularly on the Saturday and access to facilities. But in general, I, I very much enjoyed it, chat. Yeah, I was there on Saturday and um, had a very enjoyable day, I must say. Great atmosphere, I thought, Kev. Very much built around, it feels like it's very much built around the young crowd. You know, you've got music playing all the time, various different, you know, bars in action, drinks up for grabs, like entertainment. It just feels like a very sort of youthful festival, I feel. Yeah, look, I'm not super well placed to, to judge it. In that sense, like, look, I, I was working there on Sunday and Saturday. I wasn't too far away from the kind of parade ring. Um, so I wasn't in amongst it. Um, but like for, from that sense, like it, it, you know, having been going to Leopardstown for a long time, like it felt like a big Leopardstown crowd. Um, like it doesn't look like a big number compared to the big, the big English meetings, but Leopardstown is, isn't a terribly big place. 
you know, so 10,000 always feels, you know, quite buzzy at Leopardstown. So to, to break 20,000 um, for the first time, geez, in a long, long time um, was, was great going. But look, look as, as it should be, you know, as it should be. You know, when this was created, it, it was created to be tip top. Um, we know about the quality of the racing. Um, there's a million people, you know, within 10 miles. Um, the numbers of British attendees was, was massive again. I think 38%. I saw in the press release um, had come over from Britain, which, which is absolutely massive. Um, but if you, if you want to put a, a, a different spin on that, um, a, a, as one racing professional said to me there, he said, you know, that's, that's brilliant and you'd be all for it. But Jesus, is it not a bit mad that we can't fill up a meeting like this with uh, with, with home-based fans, you know, <laughs> Ireland, great race going nation, etc.? Um, uh, and I, I thought it was not an unreasonable comment, but uh, but look, get, getting the people over from Britain really adds to the atmosphere. You know what you're getting when they come over. It's it's a real passionate racing fan, and um, it's it's passionate racing fans that uh, that makes the atmosphere. Um, but I I dare say Vanessa would would even with eight grade ones and you know a majority of the best horses in the country turning up. We we didn't get a whole heap of riveting contests. I dare say, you know, I think the two two of the handicaps probably produced two of the best um, stories and contests of the week, um, and you know, without wanting to 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 start on a kind of a a, a bomb note, you know, I think that that has to be fleshed out as well, um, because we 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 do give this a big build, um, but it was it was a willy fest uh, as mentioned. And um, the, the the competitiveness and um, excitement of some of the contests didn't didn't quite hit what we'd hope. I dare say. Yeah, no, I think I, I'd actually agree with you that with that I'm you know very much pro Dublin Racing Festival. Obviously, we've been here before. Yes, it was a Willie Wellens Fest, but you know lots of different owners in the winners' enclosure, lots of different colours, different riders, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I I did feel after Sunday's results that that just wasn't the like the real racing buzz that we wanted from this weekend TC just in terms of the competitiveness of the event Saturday's racing was better than Sunday but Sunday just felt like a bit like oh I'm not sure that's the way it's meant to be um I suppose you can make a distinction couldn't you just say you enjoyed the racing but not the races um but you know yeah fair, we, fair. we always want to see high class racehorses and you know, the right horses won the races and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I say I I had a lot of feedback from from people I don't know on just direct messaging on Twitter, and they did make the point about it was on Saturday. It was particularly problematic to to find a toilet or, or to, you know to get a drink within an hour, which is saying something. And we discussed this before before with the show and just say there was any amount of toilets there, you know, that you don't need to join a, a queue for an hour. But so you, maybe the signpost it could improve and maybe they'll maybe they'll put a cap on it uh next year. I mean like Royal Ascot on Cheltenham have done. But uh yeah, um yeah, I wouldn't be that much that much down on it. We we pretty much got what we expected. Well not in all cases, but yeah. Um yeah I, I thought it was a I thought it was a very, very good weekend. And then if Kevin wants to ban um, English race goers, uh, I'm quite prepared to reciprocate and ban all Irish horses from Chelsea. 
<laughs> yeah, lovely. Let's just start with the bands. Just cut out the things that are causing us hassle, you know. Um, I tell you what, I actually flew over on Friday afternoon um, on an Aer Lingus flight and it was full of like stag and hen parties, as you would imagine, late Friday afternoon flight. And when I took my earphones out, you know, the lads in front of me just all chat about Dublin Racing Festival, about what they fancied, what they didn't fancy. And then the lads behind me were the same, two different groups. And then the hen party that was next to me asked the lads in front what to back. And before you knew it, the whole plane was talking about horse racing. And that I loved. You know, I'm like, oh, that is so cool. I love mm. it. Uh, you know, it you know a, pal, a pal of mine said the exact same thing. He was coming over from Liverpool and, and he said it was the exact same. He, could, he couldn't believe it. Um, just no just way, playing, yeah. it playing, was great. Playing, playing full of racing chat. Um, yeah, which, 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 which is brilliant. You know, that's that's rare. You know, so we, we, we should enjoy that in fairness. Uh, how many how many how many people on the plane were wearing socks? Not many socks. Not many socks, TC. There was a lack of socks. No, I'm joking. Never get um, right. In fairness, it, it is a, it is a different crowd. Like like for all you know, if you go racing a good bit both sides of the Irish Sea, like you, you do notice a big difference in the in the makeup of the crowd. Um, in, oh, yeah. in fairness, like you, you, you like look, there's plenty of fellas at Leopardstown on the on the razzle dazzle as well. Like, but it's just it, it always to me it always feels different to those big meetings. You get a higher percentage of people that are that are there for for the racing uh, as well as a good time. Um, in, in Ireland, yeah. whereas in England, you get you get plenty that are just there to go on the on the batter from the from two hours before the first. Yeah. Right. Let's get stuck into the action, guys. Uh, we've spoken about the atmosphere, facilities, etc., crowd numbers, but the action on the track, as TC has outlined, in theory, horses won their races. And the real focus point, I suppose, from Saturday was, of course, the Irish Gold Cup, Galloping Deschamps beating fast or slow. Galloping Deschamps now four to six for the Gold Cup at Cheltenham from even money to win the race for a second year on the bounce. Um, we know, I'll start with you, Brendan, here. We know what this horse can do around Leopardstown when he's on song. He did it at Christmas. This probably wasn't as sparkling a performance. Maybe people expected him to beat fast or slow by further. Very much a home game, dare I use that term. But I thought it was pretty impressive again. But did we learn anything new is my question to you. Well, we 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 learned that uh, he was able to back up the the run over Christmas. So I take your point. There was a touch of regression to the mean, but it was unrealistic given he put up one of the greatest performances in the history of chasing in Leopardstown to expect as good a performance. But his jumping was solid, if not as spectacular in in that win. Faster, slow, put it up to him. Tried to get up his inside, coming down to the last gallop, and had had a little had a little look at the last. Uh, but but jumped it pretty pretty well in the end and put four lengths into him from the back of the last of the line. So uh, dictated the race, jumped well enough, did everything well enough, and then just that that stamina that he has. I mean, he's a he's a he's a stayer with speed to uh, to, to to quote the great Dermot Weld. Um, and I know people are making a case for fast or slow, but can fast or slow jump any better at Cheltenham? He put in a brilliant round of jumping in, in Leopardstown, very likeable horse and, and is a strong stayer. But we know Galloping stays the trip in, in Cheltenham and he was going away from him at, at the line. I mean, this is this is all factored into the market. I can, I can see the case for fast or slow each way. He, he, he does look rock solid. And there's a good chance that he chases Galloping home in Cheltenham, but I find it hard to see him reversing the form. TC, I'd say given the day that was, it, that performance and that ride probably was 
a heaven for Paul Townend, given he had obviously missed out on three grade ones, courtesy of Danny Mullins picking the right horses prior to that, which we'll get to in due course. But there seemed to be a sense of relief from Paul after the line, and, and you can understand why. Uh, I mean, after the fall on Gaelic Warrior, um, obviously he rode in uh, the next few races. Did he get stood down after this, after the he, Gold Cup? I think thing? he's, I don't think, I don't think you'll see him ride for a couple of days. So presumably he passed the doctor after Gaelic Warrior, but didn't pass it mm. after Galloping de Champs. No, in well, different days. Different days, it was, yeah. El, El, El Fabio oh. was it was State Man El Fabiolo that he got on after Gaelic Warrior and then Yeah, that's, down sorry, that's rest. what I meant. Yeah. I, I, I meant so he he passed the doctor after Gaelic Warrior, but he, he didn't pass the, the doctor after the, the subsequent break. Yeah, he was he was I watched him getting off El Fabiolo, he was very sore. He was very sore. Well, I, I just begs the question how he passed the doctor after Gaelic Warrior then, but yeah, the worst. Um, I understand why. No, actually, I don't understand the four to six. I wouldn't, I don't understand the, the slashing so much. And, you know, just looking at now, he's 2.16 for the Gold Cup on, on the exchange. Um, if they want to duck him, fine, but. Um, it was a it was a satisfactory performance. It was a prep. You find it very hard, as Brendan said. If he, if he comes back to the Gold Cup win of last year or the Sabres victory, then it's very very hard to see. You know, getting beat in the Gold Cup, but um, four to six, I think, is a is a duck too far. A duck too far. Um, last word to you on it, Kev, just because it was obviously the headline act of the weekend. Um, I suppose my question to you is, do you think they were hoping with fast or slow to get closer to him than they did? Or do you think round Leopardstown against an on-form Gallops, that was the best they could hope from fast or slow? I don't think this was the best version of Gallop in the shop. And I think it might have been close enough to the best version of fast or slow. Um, he, out-jumped, he out-jumped them all the way. He jumped better than Gallop and the Shump all the way. Gallop and the Shump. Well, I want. To, I almost said Gallop and the Shump can jump better than this. Gallop and the Shump has jumped better than this. But maybe this is just a new version of Gallop and the Shump, especially on the first circuit. He's always been better on the final circuit than the first circuit. Um, but he, he just does seem fundamentally a, a bit more sensible. I dare you know if you want to put it like that. He's a bit more willing to shorten, faster, slow, and and, and the numbers will tell you that. You know this race IQ that that they're using. Um, that that is really interesting, you know, would 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 demonstrate that, you know, quite starkly in in black and white, that faster slow was was put in a, a far superior round of jumping. Um, had a, had a good chat with JJ Slevin afterwards, and he said everyone kind of went the way I hoped it would go, and had a real good go with him, and couldn't get him. Um, you know, so can he get him again? He's got him before. Can he get him again? Can he get him at Cheltenham? You know, would Cheltenham? punish that difference in jumping a little bit more than Leopardstown I don't know I don't know I I, I suspect we can see better than this from Gallup and the Champ which is a, a little bit um, scary for his opposition because fast or slow I think was the was the best rival on paper for him in the division and he's just beaten him on what was probably not, not quite his best day so um, yeah while you, 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 you can poke at the price and, and, and I get that um, can I see myself opposing him meaningfully come the Friday at Cheltenham probably not okay that is the Gold Cup picture done basically fast or slow at the top of the market deservedly so pretty short price uh, sorry 
Gallatin de Champs, obviously. Um, let's talk about the two mile chase division, Brendan and El Fabiolo. Uh, essentially, got the do- job done in pretty like non drama fashion in the Dublin chase, beating Dino Blue. Nice performance from her. Captain Guinness back in third as standard in these grade ones. Uh, but El Fabiolo, very easy victory indeed. Shortens for the champion chase, as you would expect. Now, one to two from four to seven. And obviously, mm. we expected with this market, like with this race, or we hope, Brendan, that, you know, John Bond was going to clean up and do his job in England. And El Fabiolo would do the same in Ireland. And they clash at. Cheltenham, they are going to clash at Cheltenham, but everything's sort of, not everything, but obviously the last run's gone wrong for John Bond, whereas everything's going right for El Fabiolo and the gap in the market just gets bigger and bigger between them. Uh, yes, um, El, El Fabiolo did, did his job. Um, he, he, his jumping again wasn't flawless, but is it ever flawless? But it was better than it was in Cork. To be fair, uh, he didn't uh, he, he didn't make as many mistakes as he did down in Cork, and he just ultimately, as he does, asserted physical dominance. I mean, he's just a brute, isn't he? Dino Blue. You, you could have made a case for her. She didn't have a huge amount to find on on, on official figures, but. I mean, again, she's just become a model professional the way she's settling and jumping these days. But he just he just completely dominated her. Of course, that that has significance in a race with limited opposition to El Fabiolo. She's now not going to run in the champion chase, so he he's going to take. This is obvious stuff, but he's going to take an awful lot of beating in the champion chase. I mean, I could see the shrewds angle with John Bond each way. Um, I, because I suppose it's pretty hard to see him out of the three in a race that probably isn't going to get eight runners, but you need a fair bit of imagination to see him beating that Fabiolo. Mm. Uh, TC, what was the one behind that El Fabiolo to sort of take note of going forward? I pr- presume Dino Blue for the for the mare's chase over the two and a half. Yeah, I, but she was actually clipped in from five towards to 11 to 10 on the back of that. It was a very good run. I was hoping she might run a little bit better, but you can't grab that. She probably ran up to her best. Um, I'd just be mm. at about the eleven to ten price. I wouldn't be. Um, I wouldn't be in a mad rush to do it. I think she's by far the best horse in the race, but I'm not sure an extended two mile four around Cheltenham is going to be her ideal. Um, so yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. Is it? Was this the right point to bring up the fact that you know the uh, the in running fence uh, emission? Is it is it a good time to do this? <laughs> Wasn't this one of the races whereby they yeah. they jumped the they jumped the fence first time round, and someone presumably got on the walkie talkie and said, "Oh, the sun's just coming out. Just like let's just uh, let's just bypass this last here because obviously it also happened in in state man's race as well, didn't it?" Hmm. We were talking about beforehand with Brendan. I mean, I've never seen it happen before. No. Whereby literally they jump the first on the first circuit and someone gets on the blower and says, doll it off. It's 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 not acceptable, is it? To do um, it. I main course when this was happening and how does that decision process work because obviously in England when it, when well when fences are omitted the jockeys are asked down at the start so like they've already jumped off they think they're jumping the fences then they come swinging around and they're not there it seems a little odd um yeah no in terms of information no um it was just and I happened to bump into Larkin Larkin wire on my way out and we had a chat about it um and it was his decision 
And look, look, this is tricky because look, we have this thing about the low sun and we as a game have decided that you shouldn't jump obstacles when the low sun is, is, is in front of fences. And that's Lorcan's responsibility. And you can, you can tell talking to him that, that it does weigh on him. You know, he, he, he's the one that has to make these calls and he's doing his best. You know, he's trying to he, he, jockey himself and he's trying to um, ensure safety based on the way this thing is being treated now. And, and you can tell it weighs on him. And he made a judgment call in the, in the moment. Um, is, is it ideal? No. You know, I know coming around the, the home turn, I remember I was watching the race and, um, you know, you, you think the last is coming. I made a comment to someone watching the race would be like, oh, hold your breath. And then you get, you get to where the last fence is supposed to be and they're going around it. Um, but look, I think like I think it's 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 a lot of weight to put on someone's shoulders to 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 to, to for to put them in this position. Like look, look, my thoughts on the low sun, I've made it many times, and it's very easy. I know for me to say it when I'm not the one riding. But in France, they they don't omit for the sun because they can't. They can't go around obstacles in France. And uh, Larkin said himself when he when he was riding. You know, there there was one, I think he said it was Newcastle possibly, there was one fence in particular in England that was horrendously bad when the sun was 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 low. And occasionally it might, if they if the if the if the if the clerk was feeling sorry for you, he might omit it. But it just omissions just weren't a thing. You know, there isn't mayhem in France when they don't omit the omit for a low sun. Um you know, I think it's probably, I look, health and safety era, you know, nobody, and that's the problem. Nobody wants to be the one to stand up in a position of authority and say, I don't think we're doing the right thing here, lads. Let's not omit anything. And of course you get a faller when there's a low sun, someone, uh, you know, a jockey gets hurt, horse gets killed, and all of a sudden fingers are being pointed. Um, so like, yeah. that's the issue, that's the issue we face. But it, I don't know if we're at the, 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 the right balance at the minute. Um, well, it seems it seems like we've gone down a very extremist route if we're now making decisions whilst the racing is off. I actually don't think that's fair on the jockeys, like mm. as in, and obviously the punters as well. But you know, from a jockey's point of view, you've got a race plan in your head, and that involves what fences and hurdles you're jumping, and when you're going to make a move, and when you're not. Like mm. it, it doesn't seem fair on them to have that well, shot look at, when but, they're but the, in a race. You, you, you say that, but. If the jockeys as a group came out and said, right, this has gone too far. We I don't think we don't think we should admit omit obstacles at all when there's a low sun, we'll just deal with it, then that would be it. That would happen. You know, that because the because the, the thing is no one wants to make the decision on behalf of the jockeys. You know, the jockeys have to make that themselves. And clearly I know, you, but you, I think- you probably won't get a unanimous decision amongst them. Some some will want to will want all the omissions they can get, others won't be bothered. But it's you know, the, the problem is no one wants to make the call given this, no, but given my, this, given my point stakes. is that it's very different making it down at the start before a race starts than making it this is what we're talking about here is that it was an in-race decision seems very mm. odd that well like, it's, it's very a, different but, and it's but if you if you, but if you have if, if you have a if you have a, a policy that we shouldn't jump obstacles when there's a low sun you could argue that that applies just as much if the race is halfway through as it does before, you know, if you're deciding that jumping an obstacle when there's low sun isn't safe, then the clerk is doing his job if he omits one mid-race for all the unsatisfactory. I'd, I'd say it's unsatisfactory, full stop to do it before race, middle of the race, whatever. You know, I think it's just something that needs to be talked about as a, a as a policy. 
you know, what are we doing here? Why, why, why are we doing it? What are we going to do? Blanket policy. Um, because leaving it in the hands of, of one man is, is pretty unfair as far as I'm concerned. Um, that's a that's a big old that's a big old way to put on someone. In the so I know Brendan's going to come in, but surely the issue here is one of communication, isn't there? They didn't make this up on the day, did they? They must have. They must have discussed this beforehand. And it's all about you know. I'm, I imagine there was nothing broadcast at the course. There was uh, the TV, the sections I, I've watched. There was no mention of the fact this is a possibility. It's a kind of it's if you if you are just going to say if the sun comes out during a race, we are going to bypass X amount of fences or X amount of hurdles. People can wear that, but what people can't do is you know people might be might have been in running, might have been putting up to Lael Fabiola at one point zero two in the expectation he's still got a fence to a jump, and they come around the turn and all of a sudden the one oh two disappears and you've got about hundred grand to you know to, to back at one point zero one on the other side. It's kind of you can't have this. You can't you can't have the situation whereby you're watching a race and all of a sudden the last flight and the last fence is, is not going to be jumped. It's it, by all means, make the decision, but make the decision and communicate it beforehand. What do you think, Brendan? You were there. Um, well, I, I mean, it was weird. Um, I, 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 I didn't know. I was, uh, I was half thinking, did something fall in the first certain house? Something didn't fall in the first. So I suppose when something is unprecedented, it's always going to to look to look a bit weird. But I take uh, Kevin's point. If the, the you're going to admit obstacles for a low sun. The sun can come out at any moment when it's when it's a little bit bit cloudy. But then, uh, at what stage when you're making that decision do you go? Okay, they've jumped it the first time. I now feel like the clouds are moving this way, so the sun might come out on the second circuit. So it's cold red lads go out and and emit the obstacle. But if they're down the back straight, well, we haven't got time to do it now, so we'll have to leave it off. Yeah, it's a. It, 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 it's a lot to consider. Um, I don't I don't have a strong strong opinion on it. Obviously, it's unsatisfactory at any time uh, when obstacles are taken out. But I kind of take the one positive I would take out of it is that they're trying to jump as many as possible because mm. they could just make the decision beforehand. Oh, OK, there's a potential for the sun to come out at some stage here. So just dull the fence off full stop. So it, it, it was jumped once. But um, I didn't, in fairness, even think about Tony's point about the in-running punters. They must have got must have got some shock. But those lads who did on 102s and 101s are probably immune to shocks at this stage. <laughs> and uh, just to say as well, in right. fairness, they Let's have they have been making provision for the potential for low sun in Irish racing recently. You know, in, in the in the morning updates, they let you know what the what the situation is if there is a low sun. They've moved around some hurdles on occasion mm-hmm. as well. Um, in recent months, which which is good, you know, and other tracks um, could could learn from too. So, uh, look, tricky issue, but it's probably something they just need to sit down as a group on and and, and get a policy down on paper because leaving it, um, leaving it to in the moment, um, on one guy is 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 really tough for me. Yeah. Uh, right, let's move on. Irish Arkle. This was one of the more interesting races over the weekend in terms of a contest beforehand and how it panned out in the moment too on the Saturday. Uh, Ilete Tomps winning at 6-1 to one for Danny Mullins. Uh, third leg of a grade one treble for him on the first day. Beat Founder 50. It was much more like it from him. Fasal Vega flopped again. Charger back. But Marine National, the 4-7 to seven favourite on the day. Supreme winner was the big letdown. Um, so in terms of how the 
the Arkle market looks now. Ilete Thompson is four to one from twelves, and Marine Nationale was the four to seven favourite and is now the three to one favourite. So big uh, expansion on the price for him, but still at the top of the market. Brendan, I want your opinion on this. What happened to Marine Nationale essentially here? Well, nothing has come to light. And I thought coming uh, down to the last that he was hanging to the left and that he was having some sort of a physical issue. But maybe he he was just tired. They said they're going to run some more tests, but he was sound the next day when Barry Connell issued an update. Um, he, I mean, he, he jumped fine. He, he traveled fine. He was a, he was a little bit sticky. I think it was it, it was at the third last. Um, but he was beat. He was a beaten docket when he made the mistake at the last. So I mean, that, that was nearly ir- irrelevant in the context of it. Um, I don't know know what happened again. I thought I, I had it worked out. I was hanging to the left because he was feeling something, but that doesn't seem to be been the case in the immediate aftermath. So. Yes, I, I I don't know a horse who, who who's never let anyone down before. That was a disappointing performance, and I always found these tricky when I was doing the the, the odds compiling days. What price do you make them? Uh, but they, they they've settled on on three to one, and there will be takers, I, I guess, at that price who are in in the forgiveness business. Um, because it, it, I mean it 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 just basically the whole novice chase division was blown wide open at the weekend uh, this race and, and the turners I mean credit to Il, Ilete Tom what a, what, a, what a warrior of the turf he is I mean he just basically turns up for work every time I suppose you could argue he was a little bit disappointing in the Supreme last year wasn't his best round of jumping so maybe there's a slight concern uh, going back to Cheltenham but I would be of the opinion that he'll likely turn up for work uh, bound to 50 uh, as you mentioned much more tractable tractable um facile vega the, the the hole in him just gets deeper and deeper um strange result not sure what to make of it but uh, very good for the arkle uh, blown wide open there's going to going to be loads of opinions and, and loads of things to talk about Absolutely. TC Brendan's just said there that, you know, it's like, what price do you make a horse like that who was so short? Then he disappoints in such a dramatic way and they've settled on three to one. Do, do you think that's a fair price? Is that a fair question? Uh, well, someone has because he's been clipped into five to two since. So, um, and that was that's quite close to the exchange price. Um, I wasn't sold on him going into the race. And I said as much on Footsteps of the Festival when we did that. Uh, if I thought it was a, four, a poor price at odds on before the race, I, I he's got to be a shocking price at five to two now, isn't he? Um, you know, it's only five weeks to turn it around. And although it wasn't a shocker in the Gaelic Warrior sense, um, yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't be high, wouldn't be going anywhere near at a five to two. But that said, I mean, you, you just go and have a look at that Arkle betting now and, the layers are probably right. You, you can't get too punchy about a bit about a horse with his previous profile, but there's there's nothing convincing in that Arkle market, is there? I mean, but what I would say is before we go on, that Elite Toms, I think it's kind of I haven't really seen it mentioned anywhere, but he was incredibly well backed. I mean, he was he was the night before and on or the forty eight hour stage after the overnight overnight decks. He was 20s in about five or six places. He was 25s. We didn't have any non-runners and he went off sixes. I mean, someone someone thought that wasn't unexpected. And someone, someone someone on you know on Betfair on the exchange, they knew that Marine National, you know, um 
underperformance was possibly coming because he actually went up at a bet for SP of 1.65 and he was comfortably available at four to six uh, before the race. So the betting pretty much foretold, you know, what, what actually happened there. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that is interesting. I hadn't, hadn't realised that at all. And Kev, whilst we're talking about noises, we might as well tackle the fact of our Gaelic warrior clash in the Labrooks Novice Chase. Which uh, no, I'll tell you, just, just, I'm, just on Marine National, Vanessa, like, I, yeah. I'd be deeply worried. I think he's in trouble. Oh, um, oh God, I, right, I, okay. I, I think he's in trouble. Um, there, there's, there's rarely smoke without fire. Um, we heard about the breeding up. We saw the tongue tie, and just watching the way he was carrying himself now, um, I, I think he, I think he might be, I think he might be struggling a bit. I think he might Ooh, be struggling okay. a bit. Um, and now much better ground at Cheltenham if he got it would be a big help to him. But I, 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 I suspected suspicion based on a couple of things now. But I, I think his his breeding is catching up. Um, you you watch the way he, he was carrying himself late. You know, it's subtle. Look, look look back at him earlier in his career and look at him on on Saturday and kind of watch watch the angle of his head his head and look look at the angle of his chin relative to to his to his neck. You know, he's just he's you know he's he's looking for air. Um, he's looking for air. Um, I'd be I'd be pretty concerned about him now. Um, if it comes up soft, I'd be deeply concerned about him. Um, and look at people might say, geez, it surely can't go that bad that quick, but it can. Um, it can. And I, I'd be very worried about him. I'd be, I'd be, okay. I'd say it's, and, and it pains me now because I, I think his connections are, are so good for their, his connections are exactly what we want and who we need to have a really good horse. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I'm, I'm really worried about him. Um, and I'd be hoping for him specifically that, that the ground comes up, um, close to good. At Cheltenham, otherwise, I'd be um, I, I'd be real concerned. Would love to be wrong, okay. but um, geez, I, I from a from a way out now. There was alarm bells blaring and flashing um, for for Marine National, unfortunately. Okay, so major red flag then for Marine National. Um, in which case, Brendan, I will start with you then for fact to file, just because we're on novice chases. Obviously, we were very much looking forward to the novice chase races this weekend. They didn't quite develop into what we thought they would be. Very much this race included the Labrooks novice chase, grade on over the two and a half miles, uh, because American Mike was a non-runner and Grange Clare West was a non-runner. So that really stripped out the sort of depth of interest. It meant that it was a match race between my beloved fact to file, Brendan, and Gaelic Warrior and Gaelic Warrior well beat when he had the fall at the last which of course gave Paul Town and that slap we were talking about it was a proper slap actually as well um, but Brendan look like I don't know how much you can take from this this horse fact file has been cut to 11 to 4 favourites from 10 to 1 for the Turners you know I'm a big fan but even I wow. can't really sort of bang on about this performance too much given how it shaped in the end <laughs> Oh really interesting well a tip of the cap to a true daughter of the soil, who was I to say? Oh, fact of fact, he's a, he's a very he's a very safe jumper, isn't he? I mean, I I, I really thought that um, Gaelic Warrior would jump him into the ground. Now he was getting maybe a half length on him at, at the fences up until whatever happened. Gaelic Warrior clearly had had a physical issue. We'll have we'll have to wait and see. But whether it it, it, it was his wind or or a blood vessel or something, I mean, he just it was like a car running out of pep. 
petrol something went radically i mean i i saw this this argument that oh he was on his toes in the parade ring well okay if people want to go back and look at the footage of him being on his toes in the parade ring they should look at him before he went out more the handicap hurdle on this card the previous year when i mean the two people couldn't hold him the sweat was running off him and he absolutely tanked through the race and won i mean he is a lot of willie mullins horses i think basically if you get off that that gallop where it's basically quicksand anything else in life is like oh freedom freedom and they just they they they, they can be keen going types and he is one and i mean while he did jump a little bit out to the right and he made that that slight mistake again that people referenced on this or or UK video or racing TV video. Should I say? I mean, he didn't lose much ground. He tickled the top of it and he really organised his feet well. There was it, it was nothing to do with him being fresh beforehand or his jumping. His jumping was fine. It was all to do with the fact that the horse had a serious. Uh, physical issue. I mean, he kicked Dilete Top out of the way in Limerick the, the, the time before. I mean, it was it, it was sad to see, but back to your horse, back to file, and you've been completely right about him. I thought he would struggle with the jumping, but there was no getting in short to the fences this time. He was well able to keep up with Gaelic Warrior, and that's no mean feat. Hugely impressive jumping performance. The way he was able to travel would suggest he'll, he'll have no problem with the turners. I had this horse right. You are a true daughter of the soil, and I tip my cap to you. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, Kev, you were the one who was talking about his jumping last, you know, uh, and Brendan has already outlined the fact that it was much improved this time around. Um, were you surprised by his performance? And and I suppose the reflection of Gaelic Warrior is, as Brendan has said, like that wasn't him. That's not his running. So we're not going to take that as a literal bit of form for Gaelic Warrior. But where next for both these horses now? Yeah, look, Gaelic Warrior. There was a fair bit of backfitting there, as Brendan rightly says. Like he, he, he was, you know, parading beforehand. I, I had a good eye on him now, and there was nothing there that would raise a red flag for you now. Um, really, it was it was all pretty minor. You know, you'd say he was a bit on his toes, but that that was it. Like you know, it wasn't he wasn't sued up, um, jumping. Like I was actually watching the race. I'm like, yeah, he's actually not too bad going this way around. Um, there was one or two where he, he he went notably right, but considering what might have happened, you know, I don't think that was the issue. Um, he clearly there was, as Brendan says, there was clearly something wrong with him. You know, the fact that Townend um never really went for him at all. You know, when he was getting, I was just amazed that the fact the file was kind of so close to him, halfway down the back straight, and that kind of told the story that that was the. The, the sign that things weren't well and yeah look we'll hopefully we'll hear something uh wouldn't be a certainty that we will um but immediately post race there was nothing the the the, the vet examined them on the track and there was nothing so um we'll have to wait and see what happens this morning and if we hear about it um but fact of file <clears throat> i've been you know i was i was picking and poking at him in a big way after his um maiden yeah, chase take win. it back kevin take it back no, no, I'd say, the exact same, I'd say the exact same thing if you if you showed me the race again. Um, but there, there was notable improvement from that start here. He was much sharper. And the thing about him in his maiden chase, like he was very, very willing to shorten. Um, much sharper here, much more um, forward going at his fences, um, much sharper. Um, and you'd be delighted with him. And um, yeah, he's, it's certainly his stock in, in uh, on the, the Blake Stock Exchange certainly soared after this, even though he only beat one underperforming rival, just in how he did it and the sharpness he showed. Um, it, it changed my impression of him. Um, it opens up options. Like I've no doubt he will stay. 
Um, I now when he jumps like this, two and a half miles is going to be perfectly fine. Um, so it'll just be a case for the McManus team to work out what they want to do because they have um, a couple of others knocking around at Corbett's court, Corbett's um, cross, another one who you know could do a number of things in one of the many, many options that they have at the Cheltenham Festival. So I, I suspect they will wait um, relatively late to sort out what's doing what. They, they, they won't run the same race, I suspect. So um, I would advise caution. Um, because the two of them are, you, you could easily slot one one into whatever you want. One could even go to four miler if you wanted, or sorry, three mile sixer. So um, I, I just I'd be a little bit cautious um, anti post wise if you're betting an anti post rules rather than non runner no bet. Um, TC, the other move door for the Turners, obviously factor file up at the top of the market, very short eleven to four. Uh, but Nickelback is now twenty to one from fifties for the Turners. Looks like he won't be going to Cheltenham anyway. To the prime irrelevant, but just the right time to bring in a reflection on the Silly Isles novices chase over at Sandown. Obviously, a grade one day there, and we haven't given that much mention at all. Nickelback wins it for Sarah Humphrey's great result in the saddle for James Best, is welcomed back in by his fellow jockeys. Love to see that. Uh, yeah. But obviously, the sad postscript from this, the very sad postscript, was the loss of Hermes Allen. Went off a short price favourite for this race, um, fell two out, and unfortunately was fatally injured. And again, when I heard that, views it's just like oh it's just a punch to the stomach for the team but also for the talent pool you know he's a proper operator he was beaten at the time though TC and what were your reflections from the Silly Isles if anything forward or we just basking in the glory of it being a nice story for a smaller yard yeah I mean obviously the Herbie's Ellen news was, was, was you know pretty shocking he's one of three horses that I've seen actually kind of like were fatally injured over the weekend, but obviously that pales into significance what happened to uh, to Keegan. Um, yeah, I mean, it was an absolute thrilling victory, wasn't it, uh, for, for Nickelback? Uh, you can rate it really, really highly. I mean, that would probably at least a mid-150s performance. Um, like, like you said, I thought the, uh, the just had a look at the some of the you know, TV footage after the race and stuff like that, and... Uh, you know, James Best, you know, just was in sheer disbelief that he won a grade one. And like I said, it's, it, it must be very popular because all the jockeys came out of the weighing room and cheered him in, which which you really never see outside of a retirement, do you? Yeah, that was that was really good. And it was a really good interview as well. So, but yeah, as you said, it sounds like um, Sarah Humphrey is leaning away from Cheltenham and, and going straight to Aintree. Uh, maybe she'll look at that Turner's and you think maybe we'll maybe we will have a go after all. So I wouldn't be surprised if she had a change of heart. If looking at the depth of that race, and if one of the two others do fall by the wayside, and it's very hard to see Gaelic Warrior coming back from that in a short space of time to go to Cheltenham. So yeah, maybe maybe she'll have a change of heart. And if she does, ratings wise, Nickelback will go there with every chance. Now you'd have your heart in your mouth if you do back that horse going around Cheltenham. But uh, if he gets around, he'll give you a good spin for your money. Absolutely. Yeah, you would. You get a thrill, like you say. Um, let's go back and tackle the hurdlers, guys. Brendan, uh, Stateman did his business as usual yesterday. He's such a solid operator. Um, mm. And yeah, he just gets the job done again, didn't he? When we saw him on Sunday at the Dublin Racing Festival. And he still sits behind Constitution Hill in the market. Constitution Hill is your one 
three favour the champion hurdle and state man is unchanged at seven to two um, in terms of again it's a bit like Gallop and Deschamps isn't it it's like did we learn anything new from this Irish champion hurdle victory probably not like Bob Ollinger, he's having a resurgence this season. Imperi Pass didn't like being the front runner. And afterwards, it's like Willie says, you know, our lad's doing everything right, but all we've got is hope against against Constitution Hill. And a bit of a yeah. dick, dick as well. I think, I think, I think Kev's been... He did. I think Kev's been... He did, yeah. For his interviews. Yeah, well, did I, you hear I, that, I, Brendan? I, I didn't actually like hear this. It was like, so Sally Ann Grassic did the interview with Willie and he says, it's on Twitter, obviously, it's on the ITV feed. And he says, she says, what hope have you got of beating, like, how can you beat Constitution Hill? And he goes, hope, hope is all we've got. And then he goes, ah, well, you know, our lad's doing everything right. And at least we've been racing. Run, Um, at least we've run or something uh, like that. He said, uh, at least uh, we've been out on the track. That's what he said. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, yeah. No, no, then he no, does no, go on. He does. He, he does go on. So I think he then sort of caveats that by saying, "But you know, um, Nikki's great at getting them right for the day." Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. So, so he, he, he'll still get a glass of wine off him, right? But, uh, all would be well. All would be well at Chelsea. And, and in fairness to Willie, I know it's uh, when when he wins all the the grade ones, but at least he he, he does run his horses. At least it, it's absolutely essential that he runs all his horses in these races. Otherwise, it'd be a complete farce. Um, and Tony, I was doing the preview show with Tony, and he, he was there. Robert, they have to try something different with Imperi Pass if they're allowed. So they were allowed to, to try. He, he he was allowed to make the run and to see if it would make a difference and not have a repeat of the Matheson. Turns out he's not mad about making the run, and, but at least they tried. And that was something different. Nothing different with statement. I mean, I haven't seen... I, 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 the official figures will, will will come out in a day or so. Like it'll be something in the mid to high one sixties. The way he just churns out these runs at the mid to, mid, mid to high one sixties, and it's um, it, 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 it's kind of funny when you say, "Oh well, it's just a, another run by seven. He's a remarkable horse, isn't he? I mean, just the consistency at at the highest level. Basically, hasn't missed a hurdle since he fell on on debut. He's a, he's, a, he's a smasher. He remains one of the great balaclava each way projects. I can't actually see him beating Constitution Hill, but there's no way. I mean, imagine being a bookmaker and having to lay three paces on this champion hurdle. Will you get four runners in the champion hurdle? It's probably you'd be, be a seller, eh, wouldn't you? I mean, I, what I can't get, and I honestly, I know what you just said about the balaclava stands true, and it's not the kind of bet you need to be having in an account in your own name. But the Betfair Sportsbook. <laughs> Are currently seven to two free places. Now I know you you know you're heavy odds on to have a small loss on that, but my God, that's a my that is probably the most attractive bet at the Cheltenham Festival. As it we probably said. is, to be fair, yeah, seven it to two each way free places against a horse that was slow to come to hand. It's currently you know had a bad scope, etc. And I do believe. You know, I do believe that. I don't think it's just avoiding its tactics so he goes straight to Cheltenham Fresh. Um, I don't think they've had a, a trouble-free run with Constitution Hill all season. I mean, the 72 each way free places, me is, no. If you ask me, I'll, I'll say you can have 74 each way free places. Go away. The Tony, see, this is it. You've got no ambition. You've got no ambition. That's the problem here. Oh, Pied Piper, here we come. 
the real task here is trying to find the runners outside of the front two <laughs> because one of these yokes that's a 66 or 100 to 1 is going to run and like all joking aside go look at the entries bring them up yourself go through them like I, I'm setting I'm setting the spread at five and that's mm. that's maybe a bit conservative I'd, I'd rather be I'd rather be <laughs> selling than buying and uh, I, I was I was going to try and make it up to the sale I don't think I will but uh, whoever buys Pied Piper would probably want to get on to the new owner quickly and see what the plan is. Um, but like, like find the runners. Like the, all these are going someplace else. They're not going to chat them at all. Confirmed. Um, and it's good. It's good. Yeah. We've had this discussion before. White Piper, not so sleepy. In Parapassa, they're probably just like, we can't win over two miles. It's, this might as well try the stayers. It's kind of, there's nothing there. I mean, the Namian Lion... Barry's just Barry's just reminded us on the WhatsApp group, Bossman Barry Orr, guard your dreams for TC each way at hundred to one. Of course, that was your footsteps to the festival poke. He'll go, show go up. In, go in again. Go in again. Go in again. <laughs> it was like it's kind of like it's um yeah, I mean nice, but yeah, I mean state man, state man's the, the better of all bets. Okay, we gotta keep going, guys. Yeah, go yeah. on, go on, go on, go on. Go on. Well, uh, uh, Kevin, why don't you have Bally Burn? Because again, kind of, you know, some of these races slightly disappoint us in terms of flashy performances, but this Bally Burn race was pretty impressive. The novice hurdle. Bally Burn is now seven to four from nine to two for the Supreme up at the top of the market. And he's also at the head of the market for the Ballymore is two to one from four to one. And of course, this race, Kev, I, I felt like it had some real sort of strength of depth behind it like there was a decent enough field and he won it impressively and I love the way he goes about it you know that like head down he's got a lovely way about him and so I'm quite taken with him I must say as everyone is courtesy of his price in market yeah, he's probably not the world's most fun to ride because he puts, puts his head between his legs there, doesn't he, when he's pulling early. But um, I, I was quite neutral on him coming into this. Obviously, loads of talk and hype and expectation, etc. Um, but he did deliver. Um, to me, you know, went a long way to confirm. Look, he'd be perfectly fine over two and a half miles, as, as we say. It isn't as big a difference as, as we often like to make out. Um, but um, I suspect the Supreme will be his go after this. There was depth to this. And um, and he won really well, you know, jumped really solidly. If you're on him, at the shade of odds on, I'd say there was never really any anxious moments. And yeah, he stands himself as one of the best novices around. So, um, like I say, they could, they could do whatever they want, but him and Cheltenham, um, two, two and a half. But um, you'd expect, given the way he races, you know, as as freely as he does, that two is probably the more sensible shelf, but he could probably be, um, and he would be uh, a leading contender in either. No, um, and yeah, I mean, he was the sort of talking horse beforehand. That was obviously in the Tattersall's race over the two mile trip. And then he had Dancing City win the first on the first day over the two and a half miles, Brendan. Dancing City's been cut to 12 to one for the Albert Bartlett and 20 to one for the Ballymore. Um, so in terms of his performances from the Willie Mullins yard over the weekend, Ballyburn Dancing City making the headlines. Are they your big takeaways or do you want to add someone else into the mix here? Um, no. Well, Ballyburn was good and he's gone to the top of the market for those two races that you mentioned, whichever race he went for. 
I mean, the Supreme would seem the obvious one. Uh, Dancing City, uh, Hardy Horse, really. Um, he he's another one. Uh, Willie mentioned the Albert Bartlett afterwards, so that uh, you could see that he looked to have uh, boundless stamina. His jumping certainly wasn't flawless. He, he if he could jump better, he's a runner in what we know is a very open Albert Bartlett. Predators Gold. I don't know if he. I don't know if he falls between two stools because he, he's probably not quick enough for for two miles. They're talking about the bearing Bingham, but he is a little bit hard on himself. He's a bit keen in his races. He'll need to relax better. I suppose he will have learned plenty from, from that race at the weekend if a grade one can be an educational experience. If they can somehow get him to drop the bridle early, maybe he's a runner in a bearing Bingham. But yeah, they, I, they, they were my takeouts, basically. Mm. And TC over over at Sandown, we saw Jinko Blue in the handicap hurdle area of two and a half miles for the Henderson Yard. He's being cut um, for both the Ballymore and the Albert Bartlett. He's just a fraction shorter for the Albert Bartlett being at 14 to 1, 16 to 1 for the Ballymore. Um, would you like, what do you think his level of form stacks up coming in there against the likes of a Dancing City or, or more prevalently a Ballybird? Well, he won that race by six lengths off a mark of 124. He was very impressive. He went all the way. So you'd imagine it'd be low 130s. And it's it's hard to see him making the step up to, to grade one company on the back of that. But, you know, that was only his fourth start. So everything's possible, especially this year when it's still a very, very messy novice division, um, you know, all across the all, all three distances, really. It's only... It's only kind of like the triumph hurdle betting where we've got some certainty, as it were. Yeah. Well, so when, yeah, like, we do I, have... I only mentioned that because I thought I was pretty underwhelmed by, you know, Carjess's win. Um, it, you know, they're all kind of like much of a muchness. You've got Sergino. He probably He's probably been trimmed into about evens now, hasn't he? I'll, I'll check that while you, everyone else is talking. But, you know, the, it looks like the... Uh, it's uh, the triumph is Sergino's to lose at the moment if he gets there in one piece. Yeah, I mean, you're right, TC. You know, we've been talking about those novice hurdling divisions being a bit messy, lacking a sort of real standout star anywhere, really. And other than Bally Burn, it's like, was there any real clarity from the weekend? I'm not sure. There's not even the there, is there? Because obviously we don't... He, he's, we don't know where he's going to go. 3.2 yeah. for, uh, for the Supreme and 4.3 oh. for the... Uh, for the the old Ballymore, so there's no certainty there anyway. They're very much like Kevin. Fact. Kevin crying into his hands there. Um, I've got Sergina as the eleven to eight favourite for the Triumph Hurdle. Uh, Cargis was the big mover at six to one from twelves off the back of the Grade One win. Kev over Storm Heart, and I suppose we should just mention Danny Mullins here more specifically because, of course, this was the middle part of that Grade One treble. What a role he's on, and and you know, talking afterwards with racing guys and girls, it's like. Getting on those second string or third string Willie Mullins horses, whatever you want to call it, it's that like sweet spot of being able to do things that you can't do if you're on a short price favourite. And if you pull it off, great. And if you don't, it doesn't matter. And he's such a class rider anyway. It's just he was in such a lovely sweet spot position and it all came good on the day. But talk about riding high, hey, Kev. Just yeah, so, but just the Gino 10 to 11 now. All the odds, all the odds again. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, sorry, Kev. Yeah, 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 but, yeah look, yeah, he, he had a fantastic day. Look, he's a very good rider. And, you know, you could argue he doesn't, doesn't get quite as many um, 
tip-top opportunities as he should. Um, but he, he really seized what he got um, this weekend. And look, this filly was good, I thought. Um, I thought she ran really well on her Irish debut at Christmas time. She was poorly positioned as the race went. Um, they rolled her a bit more forwardly here and it made a big difference. You know, she was in front early enough and um, she was really tough under pressure. Like the big hope coming into the Spring Juvenile was that something would jump up, slap us on <laughs> in the face and go, yeah, I'm the best in Ireland. Um, bring on Sir Gino. Um, don't think we had that moment as such. Not sure it was a race that um, set up to allow for a big performance, but the winner was 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 good. Um, the second was good as well, coming from further back than um, than the, the other the, than the first and the third. Um, so you wouldn't like to give up on the Storm Heart just yet. But look, at I think we're going to get um, because of the way the thing is set up. I think we'll get. Um, a triumph hurdle that isn't a huge field an awful lot will look at Sergino and go hmm do we want to take him on or do we want to take our chance in a handicap um, I suspect you'll get that bit of an effect going your self-fulfilling prophecy will make the job a bit easier for Sergino um, but again that, that's the way it's set up and what it, what it's allowed what, what it allows for but um, this video will be entitled to go there and and have a go with him, but based on the evidence we have in front of us so far, um, she'll need to take another jump up to um to to give him to give him a shot because in fairness to him, he he looks very good now. And last couple of horses to mention, um, noteworthy performances. Brendan, you can have the bumper horse on Saturday in that grade two bumper for the Emmett Mullins, Derek O'Connor axis, Paul Byrne colours again, Gerald Bowman yes. now three. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Three to one favourite from 16s for the champion bumper. Absolutely bolted away with this. Another nice little gold mine pot found for the Paul Byrne operation. Yes, and I mean, it's um, it's, it's Paul uh, Byrne and uh, Emmett Mullins' world. We're, we're just living with it. Apparently, uh, certainly Emmett, I don't know if Paul was with him at the time, went down to that point to point to look at a different horse. And weren't too taken with the other horse, but said, "Oh, I like the I like the look of this. Bought this thing, and um, you, you, you can see that he, he came out of a point to point uh, field, a uh, grand scope. He saw travel great, um, very tractable. Set sat away in second. Um, I would just give a mention to um, the yellow clay. <laughs> so this yellow clay finished fourth. People will need to go back and watch the video. Mm. Uh, it, it was unbeaten for Gordon Elliott. Two starts now. It hadn't it hadn't run this season. It hadn't run in basically a year, but it went off forty to one. Uh, now it was only this is all retrospective. I didn't notice it at the time. You think what well, that, that, that's a bit weird. So anyway, traveling away gets absolutely mullered about two furlongs down. Uh, jockey kind of half accepts it. Gave him one backhander when he realised he was he was fined, and despite that that setback, he. Yeah, and, and ran on re really gamely. He definitely had been second. Now, he was beaten seven lengths by the winner. So I'm not saying that's a lot of ground to make up, but Jesus, he got absolutely marmalized. And if, I, I mean, you would have thought he's a horse, he's a horse who would have gone over hurdles. Uh, so maybe they decided to give him another season of bumpers. I don't know. Maybe he had a setback and they want to preserve his, his novice status. But if he did get an, an entry in the Cheltenham bumper, he's a horse who could go in a wild price and he might just be interested in it. Uh, look, Brennan, don't, don't, don't get ahead of yourself now. The horse is only a five-year-old. He he needs time to mature. He's time. He's and, time. you know, I, I, if you were mine, I'd be, I'd be thinking about going for this race again next year. 
you know, I, I uh. keep him fresh. I keep him fresh for that. You know, that that's the way this race seems to be used. Uh, and I'm all for it. You, you got to give these horses a chance to mature, Brennan. These aren't these 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 French breads. You know, they're jumping hurdles um, in in, in right. March of their three year old year. Let's give them a, give them a chance, Brennan. It's a lot. It's a long life. You know, I don't All give right, many races between now and then. You, you, got, you, got, you got to you got to look after these horses, Brendan. Come on, you know, be a be a horse man. They they need they oh. need time, time, loads of time. So that's time. it. They uh, didn't want to, they didn't want to go hurdling with him as a four year old. That's that's why they uh, give him the extra. Oh, or or a five year old. Yeah, yeah. You have plenty of time <laughs> when he's seven or eight, Brendan. Come on, don't get ahead of yourself. Chase. <laughs> um, guys, uh, Kev, I want to give the last mention to you with Madara winning the handicap chase because on the Saturday, of course, for Sophie Leach, God forbid, over from the UK. What a result this was. What a result. Like, honestly, I actually thought this is the best result of the day. It's just so good. And I absolutely love to see it. Sophie brings Madara over and he goes off four to one favourite for a big competitive handicap chase. 60 grand up for grabs over two miles, one furlong and goes and wins it. Hurrah. James Reevely in the saddle. Beautiful. That was a thing of beauty, Kevin, wasn't it? It was. Like, to, to my ears, got the best reception of the day. Um, like, at a, at, at a DRF, which, you know, is in, in, in its current form or, you know, previous parts, you know, has been, I suppose, known for producing like some pretty iconic moments. Like, we, we probably lacked one this weekend. Um, and Madara got cut a rifle cheer. And I was delighted because look at one of only three um British trained contenders to come over, um, which which takes it's 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 seen as a brave thing to do. It shouldn't be seen as a brave thing to do. It couldn't be couldn't be, you know, anyway. But it it was great. Look, this is a really progressive horse. Um is gonna have a, a great chance in the grand annual, I'd say. Um th- this was really competitive and ultimately um ultimately won very well. And um, yeah, it look, looks a lovely horse. And like, I don't know, like, I, I know there was a view taken that um, you wanted to be wide on the chase track and um, and this fella never left the inside. Um, so you, you could arguably even mark him up and um, be interesting to see what the revised mark is. Um, but but sincerely, uh, well, well done to Sophie Leach and uh, James Reverley as well. Great to see him over. Um, Look at it. I, I think there's what I want to sound the way it sounds. Like I think there's an awful lot of English trainers asleep at the wheel when it comes to Irish handicap chases. Um, and so it, it was great to see Sophie uh, grab the nettle, come over, and uh, leave with all the money. Fair play to them. Absolutely. Mark Walsh and Rachel Blackmore. Mark Walsh and Rachel Blackmore didn't buy into that theory about going wide, did they? Um, so it, it certainly wasn't cut and dried whether there was a, a track bias. I know it's always yeah. talked Doctors about. Doctors differ and all that. What, what, well, Walsh went, was happy to go around the inside on Fact to File and he repeated on Dino Blue and they, they both ran fine. And start, uh, the, I'm sure Fact to File could have ran backwards and they still would have won. Well, okay, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the horse that Rachel won the big handicap on went around the inside oh. as well. Right. right, guys, that's probably the Dublin Racing Festival debrief done and dusted, and we're nearly at the end of the show. Oh, can, I tell you, can, I, can I get? Can I? I gotta give a mention to um to Harry Rogers. Gotta give a mention yes, to Harry Rogers, go on, go on, Lord, yeah, Lord Erskine. Yeah. Um, Harry, Harry's a top man. Um, ha- had a really difficult few years. Um, massively popular result here. Um, with, with a with a legend of a horse like this lad won a. Um, he was winning like Premier handicaps when he when he was like four on the flat, and he, he's he's an old boy now. He's eleven, 
And uh, for him to, to have a winner at the DRF now again, um, you know, could it be a coincidence that the that the best stories uh, are, are coming out of the, the few handicaps of the meeting? Uh, might be a lesson in that, but the, 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 it was fantastic. Um, super competitive race and ultimately won really well um, off a of mark of 120. So um, raise a glass to Harry Rogers, top man, uh, great result. Lovely, lovely final mention. Right, TC, it was lovely because we had so much racing to discuss a relatively quiet news week except for the big news story the one big news story we'll cover here which was the fact that trainer Milton Harris has his licence removed indefinitely by the British Horse Racing Authority's licensing committee due to multiple breaches of its conditions essentially uh, we know he's had a very up and down career in racing as a trainer he's um, come back as a trainer more recently um, with this current licence that's now been taken off him and those breaches of the rules included uh, financial mismanagement, uh, initiating a campaign of bullying and intimidation against the trainer he shared facilities with, Simon Earl, um, and then more seriously, I suppose, the concerns they found around safeguarding issues with members of his staff on the yard. This was a very detailed document that came out, and obviously we have been waiting to hear the outcome of this. Um, I don't know about you, TC, and I've not covered all the details there because it would take me over an hour to do that. But when you read through some of the details and the articles and the coverage it's had, I I, I was really shocked by some of it. Really shocked. Were you? Yeah, I mean, like, look, we, we you know we've taken the piss out of him a few times on, on this podcast because you know he is he is, he does come across as a figure of fun with with you know the stuff he comes out with. You know, he's he's celebrity. Celebrity angles that you know on cruise ships and stuff like that, and, and what he's done in his previous career. But you just look at, you just read that document. It's like you know financial, you know, you know impropriety going on there. I mean, you're talking about the rows, uh, you know, and some of the language you use with you know with Simon Earl, a neighbouring trainer, and the safeguarding element with kind of like you know young young people in his care. Is, Young is, girls, let's say it how it yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's it's absolutely shocking. I mean, the, the one thing that really shines out when you read that document is how, how he actually kept his license for so long because you know he, he only got his license in 2018 after after satisfying the BHA at some length that you know he, he you know he wouldn't get involved in the financial elements there. He wouldn't be a director. He wouldn't be involved in trading horses and. And that's before you come to the, you know, some of the language and and some of the behaviour used, and it's it, it is genuinely shocking. Um, and uh, you know, it's, I think I think the I think the press and the media have got a duty to call this out uh, as much as they should do because one of the negatives of having you know so many ex jockeys and so many people so close to the horses on. On, on on mainstream racing coverage and on the racing channels is they are very they do fight very shy of coming out and condemning this in the most vocal terms when it demands it. But yeah, it's um yeah, I mean some of the stuff and like I said, the you know the video going around about what he said on you know on Nick Luck and I don't know when that was. Was it was it last year? I mean he said a good you know, while ago. I mean like he said he he, he makes no bones about it. He just said look I you know I'm after a couple of gin and tonics, I'll go and sit on the end of a sixteen-year-old, you know, girl's bed and and and, and tell her and put her, put you know put the put the life to rights. It's kind of and when you look back on that, and it kind of think you know it's as red flags go. It's kind of like 
you know, wailing sirens and everything, isn't it? It's it's honestly, it's you know, from a figure of fun, he's become very sinister, and the game will be better off without him, wouldn't he? I know he he can appeal, but reading that document, where does he go? Because that just seems a an absolute slam dunk, doesn't it? I mean. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we should say that obviously he, he, I think he is thinking about appealing, but I'd be with TC. It's hard, it's hard to know where the appeal would go, go there. Um, I mean, Brendan, from my point of view, again, like re, re, reading some of the details, you know, the Simon Earl stuff is, is pretty horrendous and not nice and is nasty and mean. But, you know, they're two grown adult men. Uh, the content around this SJO character who was 16 or less at the time, and was considered a vulnerable employee or from a vulnerable background. And he had her saved in his phone as a lovely young girl and, Mm. you know, had conversations with her that had a sexual connotation and was driven, was consistently driving the conversation back towards adult topics. I mean, really think about that. She's a child. This isn't like a man versus woman case. You know, we all know like a grown woman can make her decisions. This is a man versus a child. Like, I was really shocked by this. And I was shocked more people weren't more shocked. I mean, was there not a line in there that he lifted up her top and commented on the fact she put weight on? Like, a child in a vulnerable position, working on his yard, living in a hostel. Yeah, I mean, uh, am I being I, like too woke here? I don't know. Like, no, I, no, I, I, I know. I, I, I mean, that definitely the, the the world has changed. But even like when uh, when Withnall and I was made, this is this is kind of Uncle Monty stuff, isn't it? You know, it's a completely outrageous character that you can't believe. It's all right because it's in a comic setting, and Withnall is a film from the seventies, and even then, Uncle Monty was considered outrageous and a man completely living out of his time. Uh, you, you know, challenging Earl to a, a straightener, Queensbury rules, of course, something uh, for, 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 from back in the day. And the way he talks about his girls think Simon Earl is, is is a loser. I mean, I it kind of the, the, the language he uses uh, and the way he was so brazen, as Tony says, going, going on Nick on look, on, on look on Sunday, should I say, I'm not sure he even realises the significance but that's probably me giving him a pass as you say I, sh- I probably shouldn't do that but it's incredible in this day and age that someone could behave in in, in such a manner but it, it, it's, it's probably much more relevant to say that you cannot you shouldn't behave like this towards any of your employees be they they, they adult or or, or or underage and uh, clearly clearly scandalous behavior and he's been taken to task rightly so yeah Right, rightly so indeed is, is the key word there, I think. Uh, Kev, do you, have, do you have anything more to add? Obviously, it was a very detailed uh, document that came out and there's so much more in there. I've just highlighted some bits that I personally found pretty shocking, um, but I'm, I'm sure you did too. I, I was at the sales actually and somebody said, oh, you know, the thing is, is, um, you know, if you went through any trainer's phone, you'd find some inappropriate messages, I'm sure. And I thought to myself, yeah, 150 fucking wrongs don't make a right, Pat. You know what I mean? Like, just because it's like what everyone does. I don't know. And I, I'm not saying that everyone does with by any stretch. That's obviously an extreme exaggeration. But you get my point. Like, the culture has to change, surely. We live in 2024. And look, racing is just a, it's just a really funny industry. 
um, funny is the wrong word, but it, it, there's not many industries where you will get a workplace where you get kind of 14, 15, 16 year old girls, you know, working hand in hand with, with you know, men of 50, 60. Um, you know, even, even the weighing room can be quite an odd place in that regard in terms of the range of, of the range of ages and like, like you say, children. Um, like working directly with adults, like it is, it is a bit mm. um, unusual in that sense. So, so like the standards should be higher, um, but like in practice, what you get, like because race and the nature of it, like it, it is a very hard game, and you you get this atmosphere of, of, of hardness and an atmosphere whereby it's almost seen as that the norm to, to not be, you know, not complaining, you know, don't be soft, etc. And and, that, and that's all wrong. And having that atmosphere there is what leads to situations like this being allowed to, to fester and grow and, and get worse. And look, in fairness, like I think the BHA are on it, like you, we've heard a lot from them about safeguarding in recent years. And look, they've gone after this case good and strong and and, and he's out of the game now, um, appeal pending. Um, but look, as Tony says, like there was, this isn't just a safeguarding story. Like you, you can make the, you can make the arguments that from a from a business perspective and all the 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 the, the chicanery that was going on there clearly in the background for a long time and how closely they're having to monitor him and how how much resources they're having to put into making sure he was meeting like the very strict conditions of his license. Like, should this have been brought to a close earlier? Um, it is a question you you could you could fairly ask. Um, but look at they they've dropped the hammer in the end. Um, and look, it's it's it it would leave a taste in your mouth now. It just you would you wouldn't read that case, and it was extremely lengthy. But if you even if you read the 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 lowlights as you will, um, it wouldn't it wouldn't make you super proud of um of the game. Would it? it was pretty pretty grim stuff. Yeah, so last time we'll hear Harrison appealing in the same sentence ever again, wouldn't it? Um. <laughs> But uh, to end on a positive note, should just the figures come through from the from Leopardstown? It was uh, they uh, over the weekend they had thirty six thousand and twenty, and they actually had sixteen thousand on the Sunday, Brendan, which surprised you. Yes, it just shows you how difficult it is to judge crowds um, because they're, they're, I knew there were 20,000 there on Saturday and I thought it was a completely different experience on Sunday. So much more room to work around. And I guess 12,000. So I was miles out. And uh, don't, don't, don't go to me for crowd spreads. Uh, like, 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 like Dougal, like not very good at judging crowds, Ted. But I say there's 10 billion out there. Uh, and it's funny, like, I, I, was, I was surprised there was as big a drop-off because it's, it's obviously a bank holiday in Ireland. Um, uh, you know, there was a drop-off last year I thought it might hold up a bit better um, given that uh, most normal people can stay in bed today <laughs> uh, but look at like I think they I think they will have to go away in, in seriousness and maybe have a look at how the facilities held up on Saturday um, as Tony mentioned earlier you know some of the bigger tracks in England have made a conscious decision right let, let's cap it here to ensure that the people that are here um, are catered to appropriately and um, like look look reading the comments and talking to people there like I think it was mostly the people that were there uh, on the beer that probably had the, the worst of the experience you know if you were if you were looking to queue for drinks all day and in and out to the toilets etc um, those are the ones that felt the pressures of the facilities probably more than the, the racing focused customer um, but look at like it's it, it's it's a great event like there's a huge amount of goodwill surrounding it from both sides of the IRC um, and look, Leopardstown just probably need to, to to be on their game and and make sure that those that do turn up have a 
have a really positive experience and uh, it's a sellout every year because it should be with, with, with this sort of quality, condensed quality. Um, for all that, it, it, is, it is a long way from perfect. You know, um, Willie, eight grade ones, some very uncompetitive races, um, plenty of people making a comment that uh, we, uh, me specifically, we throw plenty of stones at British National Racing. Um, but I would like to think I'm, I'm consistent in saying that uh, Irish racing has Irish National Hunt Racing has loads of problems, um, but it tends to get plastered over by by sheer horsepower. Um, but it does it doesn't save it always. And we, we saw bits and pieces of that at the weekend. Now, um, two runner grade ones from the same yard, you know, deeply unsatisfactory. Um, some element of Gordon being robbed of a few runners on account of this this um, Caldwell situation. But um, yeah, yeah we, th- these are discussions that we need to have because we're we're, we're a long way from perfect, um, unfortunately. A long way from perfect, indeed. But um, I think we've covered most things from the week just gone, boys. Thank you very much as always, uh, Kim Blake, Brendan G, TC. Great contributions as expected. Um, join us again on Thursday for racing only better. We've got an excellent weekend of racing up and coming, and have a good week. But of course, our last word must go to the family of Keegan Kirkby. Um, our thoughts, our prayers, very much with you at this time. Just a horrific situation and I just want to reiterate the fact that we are very much thinking of those around Keegan Kirby.